these two scenarios are, uh, the names have been changed to protect the identities, but there's a common scenario in both of them that I'm challenging you to find for me. And before I tell you the story, let me just tell you, creation is God's, we're, we're already in, this, in the series, creation, all creation declares. Uh, creation declares several things about God, and the thing that we're parking on today is all creation declares the generous heart of God, God's generosity. I've been looking forward to doing this one because um, when you look around and see what God has created, it's interesting what kind of a heart you walk away from that experience with. So let me give you two scenarios, and these two scenarios would, will be fun to uh, work through with you. First of all, Sally gets a new job. It's her dream job. She's prayed for it for a long time. She has been in a situation where she needs a better paying job, and this is it. Came out of nowhere, and now she has a brand new job. She has a solid paycheck, and she's making a little bit more than she ever made before. She likes her job, and over the time that she's at her job, there's ups and there's downs. Some things that she could do without, but she's making some new friendships there, and she's learning that this is a place where she's really enjoying using her gifts. Eventually, <clears throat> over time, some bad things happen, and she begins looking at some of those things a little bit more uh, critically. They, af they affect her job, and she gets a little disappointed every now and then with things that are going on, and she begins to think that maybe, you know, things should be a little bit different at work. She should have it a little bit better. And then she begins to look at the people around her, especially her boss. Because her boss is very demanding, and yet her boss seems to be doing a whole lot better than she is. She knows that he goes water skiing in Cancun once a year, and he's got a cottage on the lake, and he seems to be uh, doing very well in the business. And, and she gets a little frustrated about that because she knows she works just as hard as her boss does, but she's not getting what he's getting. Then she begins to look around at the people around her and she sees some similarities there too. And she begins to feel like maybe she's missing out. Her friends seem to be excelling in their jobs faster than she is. She doesn't get the promotions that she's hoped for and she's worked for. In fact, everyone at the office seems to be doing better than she is. She can't stay off social media. That's one of the situations because the more she sees how good people are doing at the office around her, the more she gets on Facebook and Instagram and begins to look at all the things that they're doing and that only makes her feel even worse. By the way, Facebook is from the devil. If you just didn't know that, now you do. Uh, but she looks at, I'm on Facebook too, so don't, but anyway. Every time she gets on Facebook, and you might, you might uh, identify with this, every time she gets on Facebook and sees what everybody else is doing, she feels a little bit worse about how she's doing. They're in, they're in vacations, they seem to be making ends meet. And she's still scraping it by a little bit. And the more she dwells on it, the more it eats away at her soul. So she decides, Sally decides, she's gonna skim a little bit off the top. Money comes through her hands every now and then, nobody's gonna miss a little bit. I mean, it's a multi-million dollar organization. She figures it's only fair. As much as she puts in, she should get paid a little bit more, certainly as much as others around her. She works as hard as they do. And over time, she begins to skim a little bit more, a little bit more, and eventually her indiscretions become discovered. In mercy, her boss calls her in and asks her what she's done, and she admits to it, and he says he's not gonna prosecute, but she's fired. Sally goes home, and then she gets on social media now, but not to see what everybody else at the job is doing, but now she gets on social media to attack everybody who's been mean to her at the job. 
And so she begins to talk about mean about people and how what a crummy, crummy company she used to work for. She has no job, she's lost her friends, and she's stuck in a pit of anger and despair. Scenario number one. Uh, scenario number two. Names have been changed to protect identities. Jim and Nancy get married. They're in love. They dated for a little while, and everything Jim wanted in a wife, he found in Nancy. Then when they date, they act like high schoolers. All their friends get sick every time they're around them. They tell them to act like adults, but they even have like these weird names they make up for each other, and they, they, uh, they're clearly in love, and it nauseates everyone else around them. Jim and Nancy get married. Jim is tickled pink that he finally got the wife of his dreams. Never could imagine that he'd get somebody like Nancy. Fifteen years go by, and Jim begins to look at his life. And he begins to think about all of the things that he's been missing out on. His life didn't turn out quite the way that he hoped it would. There's too much stress. The kids are clearly out of control. Their mother coddles them way too much. Other women have commented on how patient he is with his wife, knowing how, uh, how emotionally unstable she is. And every time he gets on social media, everybody else's life looks great, everybody else's marriage looks great. So Jim decides it's time to make a change, and he leaves his wife and his three kids. He finds a freedom that's always eluded him, and he looks for maybe his true soulmate, thinking that it's no more Nancy. It must be somebody else. Jim goes through divorce proceedings, lawyers try and split things amicably, Children, his three children, begin to view him completely different. Friends have to choose which side. If they're going to be on Jim's side or Nancy's side. Alimony dues, alimony bills become due. Hate enters into his life, and he has an ex-wife that nags him about everything. Jim blew it all. What was he thinking? Now, what is the common Scenarios, common bond in both of those scenarios. What is the common thread? Social media? <laughs> yeah, that's just my bias. Don't take that. That's just my bias. I think social media plays into this, what we're talking about a lot, but that's not the main common thread. The main common thread is simply this. I could tell you dozens of scenarios about a dozen different situations, and they all would have one thing in common, and the common denominator is this. All of these people will struggle the same exact way that Adam and Eve struggled with, the same temptation that Adam and Eve struggled with. And that temptation is the, are these words. Am I missing out? Is there something that God is keeping from me? Is there something that is out there that should be for me, that I deserve to have? I mean, I'm all that in a slice of bread after all. And so is there something out there that is better for me that God is holding back from me? The common denominator is the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, which is always true. True or false? Yeah, false. The grass always seems greener on the other side of the fence. I want to talk to you uh, today, we're not to Genesis 3 yet, where sin enters into the equation. But we're at a point in time in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 where we see all of the blessings that God has given Adam. And I just want to park here just for a minute and challenge us as a church to look at God through different lenses. 
the first, the first thing, if we look at, at life and what God has created through God's lenses, the first thing we realize is that God does not hold out on us. God is not holding anything out or anything back from us. The more we look deeper into, the bless, in, into creation, the more we get in deeper into the blessings that God has given to Adam and to Eve. And whatever God is doing in your life and in my life, it always includes blessings. Let me say that one more time. Whatever God is doing in your life and my life, it always includes blessings. The challenge is, do we cease to see the blessings and do we begin to think we're missing out? Every practical, tangible, fundamental cry of Adam's heart is met in creation. In fact, God meets all of Adam's needs before he even knew he had needs. When Adam woke up and had the breath of Jesus Christ, the breath of God breathed into his nostrils, the first thing that Adam sees is the face of God. Scale of one to ten, one being ho-hum, 10 being, I'd like more of that, please, that's really awesome. How would it be for you to wake up and see the face of God? 10, 11, plus. Adam sees the face of God, and after seeing the face of God, God, God breathes into his nostrils in a very physical way, pulls him up out of the ground, and then he says, now look at all of this around you. This is all for you. All these animals, all these trees. This is where we left off last week. Look at this garden I've made for you. It is made specifically for you. Look at all of these trees. They're full of fruit. All of these different fruit, these are all for you and none of them taste the same. I mean, wouldn't it be, like, have you ever imagined what it'd be like to, have, to be a dog? I mean, you get the same food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, depending on how long you have, how often you feed your dog. But it always tastes the same. That'd be crummy, right? God created taste. He created us with the ability to have taste. And then he created the garden with all of these different fruit in it so that Adam can have this bouquet of flavors every time he wants it. And in fact, the Bible says that all of these trees were pleasing to the eye. God says, it's you and me, bud. It's you and me. It's you and the land. It's you and these creatures. It's you and soon to be all of the, this companion that I'll bring you very soon. I've created you with the unique ability to interact with everything that I have made for you. You're going to have dominion over the animals. You're going to have dominion over the, uh, the earth around you. You'll have intellect and reason beyond anything that you can see. You're going to have a relationship directly with me. Relationships are at the core of human existence. And God gives all of this to Adam. We are not told how long there was before he was born and Genesis 3 that he ate the fruit. But something happened in that time period where Adam began to think to himself, I don't have it as good as I thought I did. There's something I'm missing out on. There's something that God is holding back from me. And that's amazing to us because we read it and we go, Adam, don't you realize how good you, I mean, how many people would love to be back in Eden? How many people would never, ever touch that tree? Right? You never, ever would. Given enough time, I wonder if that would change. Because all of us would think to ourselves, I wonder if God is holding something Back. So I want to read through this path, the, the chapter 2 with you, and I just want to point out all the blessings, because this is, this is really something that we will miss if we don't take time and park and, and look at it. I call it the baker's dozen. How many things are in a baker's dozen? 13. All right, here's a baker's dozen. Number one, 
God gave Adam himself. Verse seven, the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He would be God's and God would be his. What an amazing relationship. First thing Adam saw was the face of his creator. Number two, goes on to say in verse seven, and the man became a living creature. That means that he had a soul, he had eternality. Adam was guaranteed a place with his creator forever. This relationship would never end. How many of you, uh, how many of you, <laughs> questions you should and shouldn't ask, maybe I shouldn't ask. All right, don't answer this. How many of you would love to be with somebody for the rest of eternity? All right, don't answer that question, but you see what I'm getting at there, right? Um, if you really bond with somebody, it would be an interesting thought to think you'd be with them for the rest of eternity. That's what we have in Christ, but the only reason we have that is because we are spiritual beings. God created Adam with the ability to have a soul. And that soul guaranteed him a place in eternity. Number three, he gave him a beautiful place to call home. It was his place to work and to enjoy. Verse eight, the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man that he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. A smorgasbord of beautiful, tasty food. Beautiful home. Number four, he gave him purpose. Adam had every reason to enjoy his life because he could make it better. He could make his life better and he could make the world around him better. I think that's an amazing gift that God gives us. We can make our lives better. There's nothing else in history that can, there's nothing, and there's no animal in the animal kingdom or, or uh, there's, no, there's no vegetation kingdom. There's nothing in, the, in, in any kingdom but in human existence where we can actually put our hands to the work and make something better than it was before. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it, to make it better. He said, I created it, now you make it better. Verse uh, number five and verse nine, the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord commanded man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. In other words, he begins to give him choice. You ever do your computer and, and it says, uh, you, you gotta tick a box where it says, I'm not a robot? Ever do that on the computer screen? Uh, this, Adam was not a robot. Adam was given the choice to obey God or to disobey God. He was not created as a slave, he was created to have a relationship and that relationship meant choice. So Adam could choose to eat from any tree of the garden but not from the one that God warned him about, which brings us to number six. God gives him in this blessing as a gracious warning. This is also a blessing. You have 